a moment of power. It's time for a Moment of Power podcast with Pastor Johnny Henderson, being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Amen. 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 Psalm 127. I'm reading the NIV this morning. Follow along in your favorite version. If you brought your Bibles or whatever, your electronic device. It says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. In vain you rise early and stay up late, toiling, I'm sorry, toiling for food to eat, for he grants sleep to those he loves. That's good news right there. Verse 3, children are a heritage from the Lord, offspring a reward from him. Like arrows in the hands of a warrior are children born in one's youth. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They would not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. First one is going to, I'm going to take the sermon title from, Unless, the church say unless. Yes. Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. I want to use for a few minutes as a subject this morning, Keep the main thing the main thing. Keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Let's pray. God, we thank you for, first of all, another day. Thank you for another opportunity to stand in your presence. God, you're amazing. You're awesome. You're great and greatly to be praised. So, God, I stand now to honor you for just how awesome you are. But God, now we've reached the preaching moment. We thank you, God, for what we have experienced so far. But God, we pray now that you would just help me to preach your word, to declare your word to your people. And so God, as I stand behind the sacred podium, I pray now that you would use me in your own way. I need your preaching power today, God. So God, the words I have typed on these pages pray, God, that they would come to life and live in the hearts of your people. Help me declare your word boldly and faithfully and uh, true, God. Help me to speak what you have given me to share. So speak to me, speak through me, and let the people see all of you and see none of me. Let them hear all of you and hear none of me. Anoint me afresh from the crown of my head to the sole of my feet. And God, when it's all said and done, we'll be so careful to give you all the praise. And so now may your people be edified and you be glorified. It's in Jesus' name I do pray. Amen. 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 You may be seated. Keep the main thing the main thing. Amen. Let's pray God. Praise God for our ushers this morning. Amen. Amen. I see they pulled Deacon Fuller off the reserve list. They got him on active duty this morning. Amen. He's in the Usher Reserve Corps. Amen. Got him on active duty. Amen. You, you've heard the expression before, put God first. Perhaps when you left home years ago, began your life journey as an adult, your parents told you to make sure you keep God first in everything. You recall hearing that when you left home years ago? I don't care what age you are. This is for young and old today, but I'm willing to bet you've encountered that phrase probably more than once. Amen. 
It sounds cliche, but to be honest, it's, it's, it's grounded in biblical wisdom. Amen. The question then becomes, what does that really mean? What does it mean to put God first or keep God first? Putting God first means we give him top priority over everything. All that we have going on in our day-to-day operations of our lives, putting God first means we, or he is central to everything we do. And dare I I say everything that we think, God has to be first. Amen. Amen. When we put God first, we determine that he is more important than any other person. His word is uh, more valuable than any other thing we encounter. And his will for our lives has to take top priority. In other words, we can't get distracted by anything else. When I say put God first, or when we hear that term to put God first, it simply means everything we have, everything we are, is devoted to Him. I think this is a good use on this sermon right here. It, it means we keep our lives free from idolatry. Did you hear me this morning? Yeah. Idolatry can take on many forms. Uh, Oftentimes when we think about idols, we only think about the golden calf. But an idol can be anything. Anything that you uh, place over God, it becomes your idol. Amen. When when anything replaces uh, God in your heart, it becomes your idol. I I might get in trouble. I, I believe we can make our spouses our idols. We can make this. This is this is this is. Uh, everybody's heard this before. We can make money our idols. We make food. I joke about chicken all the time, but it's something I like. But I I'll be a fool to worship chicken. Amen. An, an idol is anything that steals our heart from God. Society is real bad right now, y'all. We live in what they call now the hustle culture. Yeah. The hustle culture where, where everything is about making more money. We got all these schemes, Ponzi schemes and pyramid schemes and multi, multi-level multi marketing schemes, y'all. It's, it's a hustle, hustle culture where everything is about making more money. Not only do we live in a hustle culture, we live in a content-driven culture. A content-driven culture. If you're on social media, you know what I mean. Everybody, young and old, they're striving to be content creators and what they call influencers. 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 Everybody is pushing out content on social media. You got all these reels and TikToks. Everybody's trying to go viral. Everybody wants to hit it big. Everybody's chasing likes and more followers. It's a content-driven culture, y'all. If you're not careful, you'll get caught up in it, and it becomes your idol. But here it is, y'all. All of that stuff is to get you to chase the affirmation of people. But instead, 
We need to live to please God instead of living to please people. Amen. That's critical, young people, old people, everybody in between. That's critical because when you spend so much of your time chasing the validation or affirmation of people, you will constantly find yourself in a state of emotional chaos. You will never get enough of it. It becomes addictive. Next thing you know, you, you're idolizing the likes, the attention of people. Instead, Jesus gives us the model, y'all. He gives us the model in every thinkable way. Putting God first means we strive to meet the example Jesus set by totally surrendering to the will of God. That's what, it, that's what putting God first means. Totally surrendering to the will of God. Jesus' life, y'all, it was characterized by total submission to the, uh, to the Heavenly Father's will. His life was characterized by serving others. His life was characterized by constant prayer. Amen. What do I mean by that? When Jesus prayed, when he went to the Mount of Olives, he prayed these familiar words. He asked God to take the cup from him. He knew what was about to happen. He said, not my will, but your or thy will be done. So when we put God first, it is a willingness to surrender to the will of God. It is a willingness to put God first instead of last. It is a willing, willingness to make God the priority and not the alternative. But here's the last thing. Putting God first means listening to the word instead of the world. Listening to the word. Listening to God's Holy Spirit instead of deceiving spirits. Paul says in Romans 12 verse 2. The New Living Translation, I like it. It says, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world. That's, that's the New Living Translation. It says, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. That's the New Living Translation, Romans 12, 1 and 2. Paul, I love it because he argues extensively in his writings about being led by the Word of God and the Spirit of God. He argues extensively about that, particularly in Galatians chapter 5 where he presents the argument of the flesh versus the Spirit. If we're always led by the flesh, we'll never know what the Spirit wants us to do. Paul says the Spirit and the flesh are constantly at war with one another. And so, we won't be able to discern God's perfect will if we allow the world to shape our thinking. Because if we allow the world to shape our thinking, next thing you know, God will be an afterthought. An afterthought. An alternative. Uh, he'd be like another selection of, on, the, on the buffet. The buffet of choices that we have in life. So our text today, y'all, our text is it's another psalm of ascent. We're still in our sermon series, a summary in the psalm. Uh, psalm 127 is, is found right in the middle of the psalms of ascent. The focus isn't really on temple worship or the acts of God, but on our houses, our workplaces, and on our families. That's what Psalm 
127 centers on, y'all. It's, it's about living a life with God at the very center. Center. Not on the outside, but center. Amen. Not on the margins, not on the edges, but God at the center. Psalm 127 is similar to Psalm 128 in that it describes the blessing one realizes when God is centered, reverently feared, and obeyed. Psalm 127 emphasizes the fact that building a house cannot be done apart from God. Amen. But this Psalm 127, it is attributed to Solomon or for Solomon. We know Solomon, he's the son of King David, and he had been appointed or anointed to succeed his father David. Solomon now has been commissioned to build the temple of God, something that his very father could not complete because David was constantly at war with the enemy. We find in uh, 1 Kings chapter 5, verse 3, Solomon sent a message to Hiram, king of Tyre. He says, uh, you know that because of the wars waged against my father David from all sides, he could not build a temple for the name of the Lord his God until the Lord put his enemies under his feet. Now that Solomon has been appointed king, y'all, God has given a period of rest from war and disaster. So now Solomon has every intention on finishing the temple or finishing the job that his father could not get going. And so then we find in 1 Kings chapter 8, after the temple is completed, Solomon actually dedicates the temple of God back unto God. Amen. But the question becomes, what do we learn from this song? In this song, y'all, we must keep our eye on God for success in everything we do. We got to keep our eye on God. That's what we learn in uh, Psalm 127 with the background of, of Solomon and 1 Kings. We learn that God has to be the priority. Yes, yes. And three things I want you to take home today with this, with this Psalm 127 what does it mean to keep God first? Here's the first thing we got to do. Resist the urge to compartmentalize God. Resist the urge to compartmentalize God. What do I mean by that? I'm glad you asked. Uh, when we compartmentalize God, we often try to put God in our nice, neat spaces. I've said it before, I'll say it again. Sometimes, y'all, we treat God like a genie in the bottle. We, we call on him only when we need him. We, we call on him only when it's convenient. I, I'm going to do my thing. God, I'll get with you later, God. I don't have time to pray right now. I don't have time to read the word. I don't, I don't have time to fast. I don't have time to uh, pray. I don't have time to study, God. I got other stuff I need to do. I need to get out here and get this money, God, and I'll talk to you later, God. We try to put God in our nice, neat spaces. But Psalm 1, uh, 127, verse 1, Psalm says, Unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. He says, unless. In other words, we must keep God first in our homes, yes. in our families, 
and even in our communities. Many would argue that our homes are messed up, our families are messed up, our, our communities and schools are messed up. You hear it all the time because we have taken God out of them. Did you hear me this morning? I know you've heard it before, y'all. You hear people say, we've taken God out of school. That's why schools are so jacked up. We, we've taken God out of our neighborhoods. That's why we can't get no peace in our neighborhood. We've taken God out of our families. That's why our families are so dysfunctional and messed up. Amen. But Solomon says, unless the Lord builds the house, the builders labor in vain. Amen. That, that, when we say we've taken God out of it, that's a good argument, y'all. Because it implies that when we remove God from those various components of our lives, things get turned upside down. I don't know if you'll agree with me this morning, but when you put God, when you have God first, things just flow better. You know that God is not the author of confusion. I say if, if it's messed up, then God ain't in it. He's not the author of confusion. Amen. But notice in verse 1, the presence of this word, unless it creates or sets up a conditional clause similar to the word if. It speaks to a spiritual fundamental task for all of us. The blessing and prosperity of our houses and for our families must be rooted in God. Amen. The same applies from a communal or community perspective. We must keep God first in our community in order to see how, or in order to see prosperity and blessings. Amen. Unless the Lord is in it, as the psalm says, our human efforts are in vain. Amen. This word vain means ineffective, unsuccessful. Amen. So, so keeping the Lord first, it has to be a basic fundamental for all of us who consider ourselves disciples. Amen. Oh, yes. We must embrace the principle that even the most basic things that we do, even our most basic human endeavors, they cannot com be completed successfully apart from God. Life must be God-centered. Yes. Are you hearing me today? Yes. I, I hope this is helping you a little bit today. Oh, yes. It's not a hoorah kind of sermon today. Amen. It's not a hoop and holler kind of sermon today. Life must be God-centered. But here's what happens though, y'all. Many people give into the urge to compartmentalize God. We, we must resist the urge to compartmentalize God. My first job as a teenager way back in South Carolina, I, I, my first job was at Piggly Wiggly. All the way back in the, the country streets of Ware Shoals, South Carolina. I, I was a grocery bagger, y'all, and when the supervisor trained us how to bag groceries, they taught us to compartmentalize everything. You see it nowadays when you go into the grocery store, they taught us to put the meats with the meats, put the cold stuff with the cold stuff, uh, keep the dry foods together, can, canned goods go in this bag, uh, produce goes in that bag, Always put the bread on top. They always told me, don't you put the bread under anything. There's nothing worse when you get home and you've got a, a loaf of sunbeam bread that is as, as flat as this Bible right here. I 
compartmentalize. That's how we compartmentalize God. Think about your kitchen. Your kitchen, you got silverware in this drawer. You got pots and pans in that cabinet. You got Tupperware in this cabinet. You got uh, plates and saucers in this cabinet. You got uh, coffee mugs and your beer mugs and everything else in this cabinet. And then we got a nice space that we keep God in. That's how it is when we compartmentalize God. I, I got a collard green pot at home. I only take it out when I'm getting ready to cook some collard greens. Uh, when we compartmentalize God, we only we take them out only when we need God. You can't shove God in a drawer like a like your favorite silverware. You can't keep God locked up in your china cabinet. You got, he has to be first at all times. Are you hearing me this morning? So when we compartmentalize God, we're essentially shutting him off from the various components of our lives. But when God is first, nothing will be in vain. Everything, when God is first, then everything is on a solid foundation, and then God will prosper it. Amen. If you've ever built a house before, you know that the most critical component of the house is the foundation. Amen. Uh, Ain't nothing worse than a shaky foundation. My granddad used to build, help lay bricks and concrete and all that stuff. He would always take that level and stick it on the floor and make sure it was level. But if you don't have God, your 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 life will be lopsided. Amen. It, it won't be balanced. It won't be level. Amen. When you put God first, the foundation is solid. It is level. It is good. All of the ground is sinking sand. Amen. Jesus says, upon this rock I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Amen. So number one, uh, the second thing I want you to understand, when we center God, we solidify the potential in our houses and in our families. When we center God, we solidify the potential in the home and the family. When you read the writings of Solomon, particularly the Proverbs, Solomon wrote over a couple thousand proverbs. When you read Ecclesiastes, you know you notice he talks a lot about vanity. He's doing the same thing here. He's talking about fame or uh, uh, vanity efforts, efforts of vanity, y'all. In other words, vanity. If it's a vanity, it's just an illusion or something empty. Amen. But he says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Build it, amen. Unless the Lord build it. Solomon declares that this vanity or this vain attempt to build a house ourselves and not include the Lord in it is a waste of time. All of our efforts are in vain. The house will not stand, amen. And people today, we have a hard time with this principle, y'all. We seek to build our lives and homes apart from the Lord. We seek to go after our own wishes and desires without consulting the Lord. Amen. But then when trouble comes, we want to run back to the Lord. Amen. We want to go forward without God. But when we when we get some bumps in the road, that's when we want to pull God out of the cabinet. Amen. That's when we want to pull God out of that, 
nice little compartment we've got him boxed up in. Amen. But according to the text, according to Solomon, and we know this for ourselves, we got to keep God first in everything, even the little things. This is why he says in Proverbs 3, 5, and 6, Trust in the Lord with all thine heart. Lean not unto thine own understanding. In all thy ways acknowledge him, and he shall direct thy path. When we keep God centered and not compartmentalized, we don't have to worry about our efforts being in vain. Amen. If you want a prosperous and godly home, if you want a prosperous and godly life, Allow God to be at the center. Yes. Put God as the head and not the tail. Amen. Yes. But secondly, y'all, when God is first, he is the ultimate protector. Yes, he is. He is the ultimate yes. protector. I love verse uh, 1a. He says, unless, unless the Lord watches over the city, the guards stand watch in vain. Amen. Solomon is talking about the entire city now, but the principle remains the same. Amen. He, he reveals that those who seek to defend their lives within their own means and abilities are doing it in vain. We know that the city could pose as many guards as they wanted to, but their watching would not ensure the safety of, and survival of the city. Ultimately, it's God. His divine protection, his, his, his divine covering that yes. protects us. Amen. So true, so true. We can apply this to our lives and homes, y'all. We often pray that God will cover us and protect us. Amen. We thank God so many times for keeping us from hurt, harm, and danger. From danger seen and unseen. We, we pray that and we say that all the time. Amen. But the reality is we should never take the protection of the Lord for granted. Amen. I don't care how many guns you got at home. I don't care how good you can fight. Ultimately, the protection of the Lord should never be taken for granted. Amen. You can shoot straight as an arrow. You can fight with the, the best heavyweight in the world. But it's God who is the ultimate protector. Amen. And we ought to, we ought to never take it for granted that God keeps us from hurt. Harm and danger, seen and unseen. Amen. And so we gotta, we gotta, we gotta thank God for protecting our homes, our families with His grace. Amen. We gotta thank God for covering us in the blood of Jesus at all times. So the first thing the song teaches us is that we can't compartmentalize God. Amen. God should be centered in everything we do, even if it makes us look crazy. It's still God first. Even if it feels minuscule, like it doesn't matter, still God first. Amen. They may call you a Jesus freak, a Bible thumper, or a religious nut, but you ought to tell them God is first in my life. I'm not going to put. I'm not going to put God on the back burner because you don't like the way I feel about my God. Amen. So number one, number one, never compartmentalize God. But here's number two, y'all, the second point. Watch this. Never circumvent the favor of God. I love it. Never circumvent the favor of God. When we put God first, I argue with you that we receive blessings and prosperity and favor. Now, I know we like to 
talk bad about prosperity sometimes, but prosperity is not necessarily a bad thing. Amen. We all want to prosper. Yes. And, and yes. prosperity is not just about money. We prosper in our health. We in our health. We prosper in our families. We prosper in various means. It's not just about. It's just not just about cash and material things. Amen. Amen. However, I suggest to you when we try to keep up with the world and trends that society has going on, we run the risk of circumventing God's favor. Circumvent means to go around. Now. I know we would never do that. We don't do that at Little Zion, but I want to suggest to you again this morning, never circumvent God's favor. Why would you want to circumvent God? Why would you want to go around God? Why would you want to uh, run from whatever God has for you? Consider verse 2, he says, In vain you rise up early and stay up late, toiling for food to eat. For he grants sleep to those he loves. Here's what verse 2 is telling us, y'all. We should never get into the habit. I put the word foolishness on the paper. We should never make our careers our lives. Our careers should not be the highlight of our life. We should never... Make it a, a prominent thing being a workaholic. We should never make it a prominent thing always what they call now chasing the bag. Have you heard that term before? That's a new term. Chasing the bag. That's about getting more money. Amen. Uh, why Rise up early and go to sleep late. And why would you want to spend your life doing that? Working yourself to death. This is what verse 2 is saying. When God is first in your life, is you can say no sometimes. You don't. When God is first in your life, you don't have to chase the bag. When God is first in your life, you don't have to keep up with trends. Amen. When God is first in your life, you don't have to chase after more stuff. If we're not careful, y'all, we can so easily get caught up in the chase for more riches and wealth. And let's be honest, we see people in the church do it. We see people get caught up in it in the church. Amen. If we're not careful, our desire for more materialism will begin to overshadow God. Amen. Society, society glorifies the hustle and the grind. But for us, we should enjoy the favor and the providence of God. Amen. Let, let society glorify the hustle and grind. But I'm going to glorify the favor of God. Amen. I'm not going to circumvent God's favor. Amen. We Watch this. We should enjoy the satisfaction that comes from God supplying and meeting all of our needs. Amen. Uh, we say it all the time. He meets all of our needs. He supplies every one of our needs. But on the flip side, we can get into the habit of circumventing the favor of God. Verse 2, y'all, it puts me in the mind of someone saying they can do anything without God's help. I don't need God for this, God for that. Amen. I can do this all on my own. Sometimes, I know many of us have jobs, we have careers, 
We have educational aspirations. We have our goals for this, that, and the other, y'all. But the point I'm trying to make, those things should never become our idols. Amen. They should never become bigger than God in our lives. Amen. The truth of the matter is we can work our fingers to the bone seven days a week and still not be genuinely satisfied. You can work your bone, your fingers to the bone seven days a week. You can you can get caught up in these marketing schemes, and it still won't bring you true joy and happiness. Amen. In fact, apart from the Lord, there is no genuine peace and joy. Amen. If it's not if it's not in God's will, it will never bring you total satisfaction. You've heard before, money don't make you happy. It might it might. Uh, put a smile on your face, but it won't bring true happiness, y'all. So I submit to you today, y'all, when God is not in it, you won't truly enjoy it. Amen. If you're constantly chasing the bag, you're always going to need more. If you're constantly chasing out the more, more would never be enough. I submit to you, us, those of us that are Christians, we when we do that, we are not trusting the Lord to meet our needs. We're not trusting God to provide for our lives. Instead, we depend on ourselves. And if we're not careful, we're living a life of dread and worry. Worrying about how we're going to get more. Worrying about how we're going to get this instead of that. Amen. But Solomon declares those who seek to build a home apart from God are never satisfied. Notice, watch this. Notice the alternative to the hustle and grind Solomon mentions. He, he gives an alternative to the societal hustle and grind. He gives an alternative to chasing a bag. While those striving to obtain their desires apart from God face long, worrisome days and sleepless nights. Those who have allowed the Lord to build their homes, those who don't circumvent the favor of God, they enjoy sleep. Yes. They enjoy peace from on high. Amen. Yes. He didn't say we're not, he didn't say we weren't going to have struggles. But he says in verse 2 that God grants sleep to those he loves. Amen. Uh, you, you've heard it before. You'll wear yourself out trying to keep up with the Joneses. Are you hearing me this morning? Yes. You will wear yourself out. The Joneses got a new Mercedes. I got to go get a new Mercedes. Amen. The Joneses got a new pair of Jordans. I got to get a new pair of Jordans. Amen. The Joneses got a new job. I got to go get a new job. But when it's come from on high, it has the peace of God attached to it. Amen. You, you will wear yourself out trying to keep up with the Joneses. You will Run yourself raggedy, trying to chase after every trend and trying to keep up with the popular cultures. But as disciples, we are called to be different and set apart. So many people are exhausting themselves, chasing more, but God blesses those he loves. Amen. In other words, God will take care of you. Amen. One writer said, those, those who place their complete trust in the Lord may rest assured that he knows their needs and will provide for them and that 
agonizing and laboring and fear and anxiety would not get any more done than what he chooses to give. In other words, we have to live a life of faith that rests rest in God. Amen. We got to free ourselves from sleepless nights chasing out the stuff. We have to free ourselves from the anxiety of wondering what's coming next. But we have to learn to trust God and be content with whatever he provides. Amen. We got to be content and, and be satisfied with God's provision. Amen. Because we'll be honest, God knows what we need. He, he, he knows what we stand in need of. Amen. God, God offers the satisfaction that the world cannot give. Amen. True peace would not be would not ever be realized through our own personal efforts. Amen. True peace would not be realized chasing material wealth. True peace is only provided by the Lord. Amen. I'm talking about the peace that surpasses all understanding. Amen. Philippians chapter 4, Paul, he he gives a whole spiel about peace and contentment. Amen. He says in verse 11, not that I speak in respect of want, for I have learned in whatsoever state I am in, therewith to be content. He says, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both to abound and to suffer need. I love it. Paul goes on to say in Philippians 4.13, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Amen. We got to learn to appreciate what God has provided. Amen. We got to learn not to circumvent the favor of God. We have to be content with God's provision and then we can rest in his divine peace. We can go to sleep at night. Uh, you don't have to toss and turn all night. Wonder about this, that, and the other. Amen. This is what Solomon is talking about and this is what Paul talks about as well. Amen. Solomon understands what it means to be loved by God and he understands prioritizing God in every facet of our lives. But instead, don't wear yourself out worrying about the things of the world because it's fruitless. When we put God first, it results in peace. It results in a rest that only God can give. Amen. God will give you a divine quietness. He will give you a divine contentment. He will give you peace of mind. Amen. You'll be comfortable in whatever God chooses to give you. Uh, we say it all the time. However you decide to bless me, it will be all right with me. Amen. So number one, don't compartmentalize. And number two, don't circumvent his favor. But here's the last point, and we're going to get out, of, get up out of here. Favor flows downward. Favor flows downward. I want to submit to you this morning, beloved, the favor of God will flow down to our families. Amen. When, when we get it right with God, the favor flows down here. Amen. When, when we don't idolize the things of the world, when we don't idolize chasing the bag and living for the hustle and grind, not only will we see the favor of God on our lives, it flows downward to our families. Our future generations will become recipients of the same grace and favor that is on your life. He says in verses 3 through 5, he says, Children, 
the, the text takes a turn here, y'all. It goes from unless the person build or the Lord builds a house, it goes from there to now talking about children. It says in verse 3, children are inheritance from the Lord, offspring, a reward from him, like arrows in the hands of a warrior, or children born in one's youth. You blessed is the man whose quiver is full of him, of them, sorry. They will not be put to shame when they contend with their opponents in court. He goes from talking about building a house, the community, talking about working yourself to death, chasing the bad. Now he's talking about the blessing that comes from God for our children as well. I submit to you this morning, when I say favor flows down, when I submit to you right now that many of us are walking in this very thing. I submit to you that many of us, if not all of us, are walking in the downward flow of God's grace and favor on our lives. Why do I say that? I say that you're walking in downward flow of God's grace and favor simply because our parents and grandparents got the first part right. Amen. Are you hearing me this morning? That's what I mean. We're, we're, we're walking in the grace and favor of God simply because our parents and grandparents understood what it means to put God first. Amen. Our parents and grandparents, they understood what it meant to build a house and a community with God as the head and not the tail. Amen. So if that's the case, then prosperity is not just an individual matter. It is a communal matter. Amen. It is a community matter. Are you hearing me this morning? There is provision by way of children. Solomon speaks of the, the great blessing of children within the home. Amen. He affirms that they are a gift from God, a heritage from the Lord. Amen. But then he speaks in verse 4 to raising our kids. He uses the illustration of an arrow to communicate uh, the responsibility to raise them in the ways of God. I don't know if you've ever shot an arrow before, a bow and arrow, but many times we use bow and arrows in place of a gun to, to, to shoot straighter, if you will. But Solomon uses this illustration to suggest that sometimes an arrow is the best thing for the task. Arrows are straight, they're strong, they're, they're prepared uh, with a bow, they're attached to the string of a bow, and then when we're ready to shoot, uh, we release that arrow and it shoots straight right into its target. Solomon suggested here, we, when the arrow hits the mark, we have to be the same way with our children. We cannot expect our children to hit the mark if we're not willing to spend time with them, to instruct them, and teach them the ways of God. Are you hearing me this morning? Children are a gift from God. Amen. But Solomon suggests they have, we owe them a we have a responsibility and an obligation to them. Amen. Solomon says, children bring joy to the home. Blessed is the man whose quiver is full of them. They will not be put to shame. Amen. Solomon reveals or suggests here that the end result of children raised within a godly home is there will go on to do the same things in return. Amen. And then we will never be put to shame because of what we have instilled in our children. This is why he says in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they should go and when they are old, they won't depart from it. Amen. So the favor flows downward to our children. And we ought to instill the principles of God 
in our children. And as he says in verse 5, we will never be put to shame. What I'm trying to tell you, God's providence shall be your portion. Amen. Life flows from the presence of God. Life, I'm done. Life flows uh, more favorably when we put God first. Amen. When God is at the center, all of our blessings and providence flow from God when we put Him first. Amen. So we ought to keep the main thing the main thing. The main thing is simply God first. The main thing is keeping God on top. And not the bottom. The main thing is keeping God the head and not the tail. Amen. The main thing is putting God in the center and not on the edge. Amen. You want to put him in play and not in reserve. Amen. You want to keep God at the front of your life and not just an alternative in your life. God shouldn't be just another option. But he ought to be the main thing. God, keep keep the main thing. Amen. So we must always keep God first. We must never compartmentalize God. We should never seek to circumvent, watch this, or escape the favor of God. Why would you want to escape the favor of God? But then lastly, favor, it flows downward onto our families. That's the main thing, y'all. This is a different kind of song today. It's, it's, It's about Putting God first. And I believe, I, I, I promise you, when, when you put God first, when we get that piece right, yeah. everything else will. That's right. That's right. That's right. Everything will be all right. Yeah. Now, notice in the text, Solomon, he didn't say it's going to be perfect. That's right. But unless the Lord builds a house, it's in vain. Unless the Lord uh, watches over the city or the community, uh, we'll never realize the peace of God. Amen. Because uh, we, we want to put God in this neat compartment when he should be ever present. We, we want to put him out when we need him like that old, your favorite pot. We want to keep him on the shelf. We, we treat God like some of the stuff we keep in our storage units. I, I need to go get this out of storage. We, we treat God the same. I, I need to go get God. But we got to keep him first. Young people, keep him first. Keep him, keep him the main thing. Come on, stand to your feet. Give God a praise today. A moment of power. It's a moment of power with Pastor Johnny Henderson being brought to you by the Little Zion Missionary Baptist Church in Chesapeake, Virginia. Connect with them by visiting their website, lzmbc.net. Pastor Henderson, Lady Henderson, and the Little Zion family want to thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe to this podcast so you will not miss a moment of power.